It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. What's up with this? A little EDM for you. Really? Yeah. I'm waiting for it. It's a little bit of a long lead. Fat Boy Slim. Oh, God. You know, man, I thought you had electronic dance music, man. This is like someone who just shot up with heroin. Oh, so lame. It's called, a, it's called a crescendo. It's a thing in music. I guarantee you there's no crescendo here. But anyway, good to join you once again, Anthony Weiner. I heard uh, Joe Borelli, um, minority leader of the city council, explaining this budget. I'd like to go into a little more on that uh, later on. But i got to give you a report from the heart of Boricua land. Uh, with the lockdown and pandemic, naturally, there was no annual Puerto Rican festival on 116th Street in El Barrio, East Harlem. And then what always followed, the parade, the largest ethnic parade of the many parades up Fifth Avenue. Uh, the ethnic festival is underway. I just came from East Harlem. And I got to tell you, I don't understand what the cops are doing. As much as I disrespected, and I did a lot, Dermot Shea, who I felt was the lapdog for Bill de Blasio and Terrence Moynihan. They had that festival in lockdown. They had their big observation tower on 116th in Lexington. So they used all the technology. They could look through the side streets. They could look into every car to make sure everyone is safe and secure because the later it gets into the wee hours of the morning, the more intense it gets. They don't have the towers up, the observation towers. They don't have the recreational vehicle, which you've seen before, which has, I mean, it's like the NASA space mobile. And they don't have any drones, which can help, especially if somebody is having a heart attack or insulin shock or heat stroke. And you can get those EMTs in there right away because these streets really get thick. They get packed. So I went to police uh, of the nearby 23rd Precinct and the 25th Precinct, which covers East Harlem. I say, guys, you you had this down. It didn't matter who the mayor was. You know, it was like a, a, a cookie-cutter operation. They said, no, they wanted us to roll back. They didn't want us to intensively watch folks, especially the gangbangers. I said, well, let's keep our fingers crossed that there are no problems. But already you had Latin kings and yetas, the older ones. Some of them who just got out of prison, they're going, oh, mortarously, why? Hey, I remember, and, you know, giving me their war stories. Those are the old geezers. But the younger guys and gals are going to start coming about three or four, and they're trouble. I saw some of them already. They have these fanny packs in the front, not near the belt, but they wear it strapped over the shoulder. And I could tell they're carrying. And I'm telling the cops, you see these young bloods, they're carrying. Nothing we could do. Like, come on, fanny packs in front? What do you think they're carrying? Well, let's see. I mean, look, you can reach a tipping point over which – you're just over-policing these things. You're becoming like you're surveilling the thing, you know, and maybe you're creating more attention that way. I think, you know, from administration to administration, the police do their – it's kind of – they're kind of like the military. 
they're not partisan. They're not looking to do any. They're not making to make any political statements. What they're doing is trying to figure out the balance to strike that people feel comfortable on the streets and that they're safe. Now, if we have a day goes by and there's a lot of violence there, and Curtis was right that they they were going to have to figure out why they didn't do it the way they did in the past. But I don't. You know, you really need to surveil it with drones. It's a, it's a, it's a street fair. It's uh, a street well, festival. Yeah, during the day, at night, it takes on a whole ominous feel. I'll give you an example. Uh, I have guardian angels there all day, all night. We do that every year. Uh, but I noticed that Eric Adams, uh, mayor, mayoral intel was there, just scoping the area. He's going to be there about three thirty. Now, originally, they were going to go to the main stage, which is 112th in Lexington, packed, La Mega crowd. Regaton, Bacchetto, man, this is, a, this is the young people. The intel comes, and they said, I said, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, the mayor's going to be. I see it's on his schedule. No, he's not coming. He's going further uptown. Uh, I said, where? He said, 121st on that stage. I said, that's South Semarangue. That's the old people. Yeah, I said, this crowd, is, this crowd is not at all loving Eric Adams here. No, it's also you keep them away from where the, the younger the voter, the younger the citizen, the more alcohol there might be there. I get that decision. Yeah, but I got to tell you, with this recent uh, uh, public opinion poll that puts his approval rating at 29 percent, especially he's lost about 30 percent of Hispanic support, 20 percent of Asian support. The guy is in a note stop. I mean, I I was of the impression that President Joe Biden probably called him up and said, do me a solid. I'm at 33. You're at 29. Don't refer to yourself as the Biden of Brooklyn. You know, I want to look. I, I've been actually looking at these numbers a lot. I talked a little bit about on my show about some of the predictive markets, these places where people bet on who they think is going to win. And they still think that Trump and DeSantis are going to be 28 percent. And then Biden's at 22. Right now, in today's environment, nobody's popular. I mean, the fact is that this is a tough time to be an elected official. Crime is up. Inflation is through the roof. People are feeling cranky and annoyed and ticked off. And this is a bad time to be an elected official. And so I think that everyone is going to be unpopular. And that's why I think that, you know, just about, I mean, there is no one that is safe from whatever political tsunami. I talked a little bit earlier about the about the um, district attorney in, in San Francisco. But everyone, I think, has to be looking over their shoulder. I think the, the mayor, I think the numbers just came out for Kathy Hochul, which are not very good. 36%. This is, not, this is not a good time to be an elected official. If you have authority, then everyone is saying, what are you doing? Because things are not better, they're getting worse. Well, let me give you an idea of the feel from the Puerto Rican community. First off, they're all citizens by birth. It doesn't matter if they're born on the island, they're born on the mainland. Right. A lot of our listeners don't understand because they wave that Puerto Rican flag. First of all, it's not the Cuban flag. It's a Puerto Rican flag. They are as American as anybody else. By birth, they have fought and died in wars. When you go to San Juan, they have guardian angels there. You see the military cemetery on the hill. Thousands. Tens and they all get PIX and WR. They got Mets and Yankees on right. down there. Yeah, right, for sure. But they, they've sacrificed. They volunteered, sacrificed yeah. their loves. Very patriotic. Uh, but they tend to be Democrats and a lot of liberals and progressives. So when Puerto Rico was going through all the problems uh, with the hurricanes uh, and then obviously uh, with two uh, earthquakes, there was massive flight out of the island to mostly Orlando, Kissimmee, in that Disneyland, uh, Disney World area. And so the fear was that many of them would turn Florida purple because it was leaning red, but still close. And that hasn't been the case because I think they're coming from Puerto Rico, which has the worst crime of any state uh, in the United States. 
And they're beginning to realize, hey, wait a second, we supported you, Eric Adams. We're voters. You know, you didn't have to convince us to vote. We vote. Uh, we're a voting block. But we're disappointed. And I think a lot of them are upset because he's the swagger man. He's best known for swagger, for nightlife, and not for dealing with crime. Well, I, look, a couple of you, there, there's a lot there. First of all, that the determining things about your politics in, on Puerto Rico is really the status of the island. It, it, it really throws things into a whole different relief. That's the thing that they divide up over the most. And we've had a lot of Republican delegates from Puerto Rico to Congress, for example, Republican governors. Their Republican-Democrat is a little bit like it is here in New York, that local issues take take precedence, and they have shown a willingness. And as far as the this 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 whole analysis and this whole conspiracy theory about displacement theory, this whole idea about bringing in more, more Latino voters because it's going to be good for Democrats, is not proven anywhere. Latino voters, as you described, some of them are very culturally conservative. Some are very conservative conservative. Whether they like Adams or not, I would, without looking at a poll, I bet you they are pretty much the same as the overall number. Meaning if he's at 36, I bet you there he's about 36 with Latinos, meaning low but consistent with the rest of the city. We have also, and another interesting thing about the Puerto Rican community, you know, there is this tendency to lump Latino voters in together. Puerto Ricans don't like that. They they don't consider them to have a great deal of, of, of cultural similarity with the Dominicans, for example, or with the Mexicans. These they're they're a very distinct part of America of American and New York culture. Um and you say that they don't like the swagger. That sounds an awful lot like the Curtis Lewa assessment. Of the problems with with Eric Adams. Oh, wait, have you ever seen a mayor go down at twenty nine percent approval rating after five months in office? I right, right now, Joe Biden is, I think, at the thirty three. Is, is is I mean, he's 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 showing up in that thirty range himself. And and by the way, Kathy Hochul's been in for for less than a year. Thirty six. She's at thirty six. Nobody is. I think you've got to. Everyone's got to be graded on a curve right now. Because of the reasons I explained. This is just a lousy time, particularly to be an executive. The difference with Eric Adams is he was going to be the law and order mayor. He was going to make a difference from day one. He said it from day one. I'm going to make a difference with public safety, with crime. That has not been the case. The stats are off the roof. People are terrified of the subways. There were so many situations going. You don't keep. There are no cops in the subway. Wait, shootings are down, homicides are down. But you're right. I tell you, this is why. And I talked about this with uh, with Joe Borelli. How do you pass your first budget with no additional cops, with no additional correctional officers? That's a big disappointment. One billion dollars. That is a disappointment to me as a supporter of Eric Adams. I say, listen, look, and I've said it on our show before. I think we should do something like the like the cops program in the federal government and like Safe Street, Safe City, and Cities. That if you want to. If you want to keep my $150 property tax check and instead invest in hiring some more cops, do it. Yeah, but I I have the perfect plan. It makes so much sense. You have Columbia University, right? They have $10 billion endowment, and they buy property, private property in Morningside Heights, taking it off the uh, the, uh, property tax rolls. Likewise, Columbia, $4 billion endowment. Uh, Excuse me, not Columbia, but NYU, NYU. $4 billion. And they, they own like half of Greenwich Village. And then there's Jimmy Dolan. Whether the Rangers go on to the cup or not, people hate, despise, they loathe that guy. He should be paying property tax. He pays no property tax. If you had a special uh, safety police tax just on property tax in those three places, you can hire enough cops to get up to 40000 what they need. I'll tell you what's happening on the side. I was in Queens, your old uh, uh, background, your old backyard uh, last night. 104th Precinct, 10 cops have left in the last week. Why? They're being recruited. 
to other police departments. The 105th, 50 cops have been recruited out. Curtis, that's always been the way it is. I know, but we're down to 34,500. That's a dangerous level. And the mayor has not at all said, I want to hire more cops. Well, no, and 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 frankly, when I spoke to Gibrelli, he didn't say that he supported that other. I, I, I think having a budget this big, and admittedly, you had about 15% of it, $15 billion or so that came from the federal government and the COVID relief, but and not doing anything on the two big thing, corrections and cops, I think is a real disappointment. And I don't know if that, you know, the, the, the way it was described, okay, the city council felt very strongly about not, this is your first, your first budget. If you don't have the muscle now to do it, when crime is through the roof, when are you ever going to? So I'm disappointed in that. But I think that, look, there, the, he has been talking more. He's, he said, and we have some cuts here somewhere, he has been more pointed about his kind of war on the judiciary. Then that's getting amped up more and more. He gave this big, long, rambling speech yesterday about how we can't be locking them up and have them let out again. Or my cops can, my cops, he always uses that pronoun. My cops can't be seeing these guys come back. I think he's got a, uh, got well, a fair beef. His but- problem is he doesn't name and shame anybody. He attacks them generically. They, look, Alvin Bragg is right here. We know what he has ordered his ADAs not to prosecute. Eric Adams never takes him on, never condemns him, never chastises him. Tish James, the top elected oh, law enforcement person. To do with this. Yeah, but she came out and she said, I'm for cashless bail. In defiance of Eric Adams, did he take on Tish James? Of course not. Now, you know, Anthony, he's worried about the investigatory powers that the Manhattan DA has and Tish James has. He's not going to rock No, no, vote. I don't think it's that simple. I think it is that he knows that both of those people are going to be around as his partners, in quotes, in government for some time. They're not going anywhere. Triangulating against the DA, I am not in favor. Look, look, if you want to take individual judges and look at their record and say you shouldn't let this guy out, that's the thing that I'm surprised at. I'm surprised at that they don't take individual guys. They, you know, like where John Katzenteese talks about these people, the 19, 20, 30, or 30 arrests. How come we don't know the names of the judges that turned them back out the last time? Tell me the name of that judge. I will say him on the air, and that's that was a mistake. You have someone who's been arrested 20, 30 times, found guilty 20, 30 times, and you still have judges that are turning around. Likely, uh, as you know, appointed by either de Blasio or Cuomo. No, it could have been it could have been more than that. These judges have been around a long time, a lot of them. I know, but many – look, that's why you don't need cashless bail. We don't have conservative judges in New York right. City. Upstate, yes. Right. New York City – there's no hanging judges left. I think the last hanging judge was State Supreme Court Judge uh, Torres. Remember, hang him high, Torres. He actually married uh, me and uh, Nancy in the <laughs> boathouse uh, in Central Park. But he was the law and order guy. But, th- but think about this. That's it. There are but no think, orders. Wait, but there are going to be judges on the ballot this year. Does uh, do you see anyone leafleting saying, I'm going to get rid of this no. bum judge or anything like that? Like, that's the strange thing. The account of the, the bad thing about electing our judges is also the good thing. The bad thing is you don't want them to feel like every two years they got to show how many people they sent to the gallows because then you, you want them to try to find justice. But at least if we're going to have that, get me the list of the judges that are doing these things. And if it's not the judges, if it's the legislature that needs to pass tougher laws, so be it. I mean, the city council, let's be honest. They can do – they can't even hire the cops because they – they're in order to be able to levy an additional tax. But at least they should be doing more in corrections. I don't know, put more money in for overtime, something. But they just passed a giant budget, and to say it was well, tough on law enforcement I'll tell you was what, really uh, a mess. Uh, I didn't hear Joe Borelli mention it, but they wanted to raise the pension uh, points uh, if cops would stay on longer than 25 years. Because most cops, by 25, they've right. gone 20 years. They've right. gone. 
but they wanted to encourage the more experienced cops because they're losing experienced cops. They're being, as you know, recruited away by other uh, police departments. So they were going to raise their pension. City council voted against it. So you say to yourself, what are you doing? You need police. If you don't deal with law and order, public safety, you are not going to fill up these office buildings. They're at 38% capacity now Monday through Friday. And most of the workforce are women. If you look at that Siena College Bowl, the number one critics of not just Eric Adams and Hochul and of the criminal justice system were the women because they're the ones most under duress and attack. If they don't go out and party at night to restaurants, bars, and clubs, there is no nightlife. No, I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I don't – I mean, look, I, I I think that you've got to – I'm not sure how I feel about the pension thing. I can imagine members of the city council saying, wait a minute, these more senior cops that are from a different era, so to speak, or or before the, the – maybe they're holding the way for some of these more diverse police officers to rise. I can see the argument – I'm also surprised the city council can really do pensions. I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that. But all of that being said, if you're the mayor, you're touting this budget. What do you point at? Summer jobs? Okay, that's great. But, I, I mean, you, you know, these intervention core, maybe. But I'd like to see more cops on the street, more, more correction officers hired. You and the poll says everybody else. When we come back, oh, were parents disappointed, including me. We were told, hey, if your kid, you know, does well locally, uh, you get to uh, try to try to choose a public high school they go to. Not the elite schools, the neighborhood high schools. But at the last second, the Department of Education said, ixnay on that. You'll go wherever we send you. And more parents are saying, okay, that was the last straw. We're out of here. Put the for sale sign up. We're leaving or sending our kid to either charter school if they can get into the lottery, parochial school or private school, or DeSantis, here we come, Florida, <laughs> here we come. It's uh, yours truly, Curtis Lee. We're here on the right, Anthony Weiner on the left. Uh, if you missed any of the program today, you get in on the podcast at WABCRadio.com. The left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. No slow. A little slow off the beat today. What happened? God, Lisa, Lisa, that's well, that old school, old school here. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, all of a sudden, what are they going to start doing? Get the cardboard out there and start spinning in the streets? Break it down. Oh, man. Anthony Weiner, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. They're trying everything here today. But real disappointment across the city. A lot of parents knew that their kids were not going to get into the specialty high schools like you did. Uh, Brooklyn Tech, like John Katsimatidis did, Brooklyn Tech, he had to take a special test. Stuyvesant, Townsend, which is in Queens College, Staten Island Tech, uh, and uh, Bronx High School of Science. So you try to get into a good local neighborhood high school, and there are a lot of good ones. So it was always based on meritocracy. Do well in your grades. Do well. Don't be a discipline problem. And you get to choose, like, uh, your choices, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And then they see if there's room in the schools. Well, they delayed, they delayed with a new chancellor, uh, Banks. Okay, you know, he just got into it. 
Well, they dropped a bomb on all the parents, and they said, no, sorry, you don't get to choose your high schools. We'll tell you where to go. And I got to tell you, uh, whatever um, whatever Banks was hoping on and getting support from parents who have really uh, put a lot of uh, energy into getting their kids ready for high school preparation, uh, he's lost it because people are saying, hey, that's the beauty of New York City. If the kid does relatively well, gets to go to a relatively good public high school in the area, now my kid's going to have to go across town because you say he can't be placed in a local high school. It's ridiculous. Like, for instance, uh, last night I was in Middle Village. Uh, they got uh, two good high schools there, one on Metropolitan Avenue, the new Maspeth High School. And they were being told, well, you may go to Grover Cleveland. You may go to Franklin K. Lane High School. The acronym stands for Fun Kicks, Laughs, and No Education. And so the parents are saying, what's, what, what's the point of staying any longer? You know, we wanted our kid to have a good education. Now, I'm sure your parents were concerned about you. That's why they encouraged you to take the specialty test. And if you hadn't taken that test to get into Brooklyn uh, Tech, what high school might you have gone to in your neighborhood? So here's the he, here's the challenge here, and this is what often is what you're talking about, and what often is forgotten down a tweet is that the schools have to attract at least some middle class aspirational families. Like people, our problem is that as soon as a family gets a certain amount of wealth or mobility, they try to leave the system. And so what's left over, you basically lose all those good kids. And so other kids don't want to be there who are good quality students. And so what they did with the specialty schools years and years ago, is said, all right, we're going to have like this gold paradigm, this gold coast that is going to exist that you can aspire to, like these schools on a hill. You got to be we got to work hard. You've got to take your test, and you can try to get in. I didn't get into Stuyvesant, came up short, got into Brooklyn Tech. I'm glad that I did. What okay. uh, local high school would you have had John to go Jay, to? which at the time on, on, 8th, on 7th Avenue, which at the time, although it was so two blocks from my house, was not great. No, so, not only. You know what it was before before you were birthed. It was manual training, vocational high school. Is that what that was? I always wondered. Joe huh. Pepitone, the great Yankee, was in shop, metal shop making a zip gun, shot himself in the leg, almost destroyed his athletic career. <laughs> okay. I uh, mean, it was bad. But but the problem is they have this other problem, which is this whole big universe of parents, which are also saying we want our schools to be segregated, uh, uh, to, to be desegregated, uh, to be integrated, rather, and we also want to have some good schools, some, even if I'm just a neighborhood person. And this, it seems like the city is now swinging in this direction of making it completely kind of, grade agnostic and that's a problem you want to create this dynamic that parents feel that they can get now the problem also is this is that it is not just grades and not just tests it's also elbow grease if your parents are motivated and they know how to go down or go to the superintendent's office they know how to go visit the principal's office you have any seats here you know would you let my son or my daughter in and you don't the the problem is you really risk you have a tale not of two cities but of three cities you have these Super smart kids that are great at taking tests, disproportionately Asian families get into these specialized schools. That's creating controversy because people think that it's not creating enough gateways for African-American kids. They're trying to tear that down. Second is this next tier where say, okay, at least I got good grades. I can hunt around and try to get in John Dewey or Morrow in Brooklyn, these other schools, the schools you described in Queens. And then there's the third tier, which is kind of just everyone else who gets kind of thrown into schools that are not that great. And their solution seems to be, okay, let's kind of weaken one and two and make everyone into a slightly better version of the third group. 
and that's a mistake. They're going to flee. That's a mistake. No, you're exactly right. You're and exactly look, right. They've already lost 120,000 students. Some of them are the result of parents moving out of the city, but some of them, the parents upset and just deciding, hey, I'm going to transfer my kid to parochial school. I don't care if I got to work two, three jobs, private school, push the lottery. Hopefully they get chosen to get in a charter school. What they're doing is they're destroying the faith that a lot of parents have, especially in the outer boroughs, in the local high school, that they're members of the PTA, that they went to that high school, that they still know some of the teachers. That's all going to be shattered. You know, but I, I agree with that. But if you believe in the local high school, then you just draw a big circle around the high school and everyone in that area goes there. And what if you're in an area like I was in in Park Slope before John Jay turned around and I was told to go to John Jay? I don't mind schools competing for the best kids. I don't mind that. I don't think that's a bad thing. Every parent should believe, all right, I'm a middle-class family. I have a shot of going to a good school if I just hustle and my kid studies and whatnot. That's what they're chipping away at. I don't believe in jo- – I, I believe some competition is – it's okay to have winners and losers. It's you okay. Know, I would have suggested to your mother and father, I would have said, look, you don't want your kid going to John Jay. No, 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 no. I'll tell you what. Uh, work a little harder. Send them over to Bishop Ford High School. I realize he's a Jewish kid. He just ignores the Catholic, you know, Baltimore Catechism teaching. He'll go to get you a see good the basic big cross over, over Bishop Ford. Yeah. So you can see it from half a mile exactly. away. Exactly. Exactly. Where Greenwood Cemetery, you could yeah. have gone in the back, yeah. cooped out there, uh, cut classes. Unfortunately, that school has been closed. So many of the parochial schools have been That's closed. True. By the way, my mom taught at IS88 right across the street from there. Hey, but I'll, I'll say this, though. Here's what happened to me. I took the test to get into Stuyvesant and missed it by one point. Wow. At this point, I uh, – so I you could then at the time – I've told you the story. You can go to summer school to get in or make up. You were really a bubble kid like that one point. So I go to summer school. They say, we still don't want you, Wiener. We, we see the handwriting on the wall. We want no part of you. At that point, I had no school to go to. So knowing that John Jay was my fallback, I went to – like just <laughs> I described. We went hunting around. I remember going with my parents, looking at these different schools, seeing if anyone had a seat for me. And ultimately, Brooklyn Tech was such a big school that can squeeze me in. But that kind of like combination of tests and hustle and summer school and everything else, my parents, middle class parents, stuck with the public school system. Now, it was the bias in my family. My mom was a public school teacher for 30 something years. But what you're describing is a real problem because you anyone who has the ability to escape the public system is going to do it. And everyone suffers, not just, you know, the, the even a less academically achieving kid. You still want some high academically achieving kids in that kid's school. You want there to be this aspirational well, sense of the you system. Actually, and it's getting ruined. Uh, ended up in better shape at Brooklyn Tech because it was far more diverse. Back then, they had many more black and Hispanic uh, students, Asian students. You had white students. You had you had a real Very mosaic diverse. there. Very diverse. Uh, because you had the SP classes that were feeding the system, and they had many more SP classes in the inner city junior high schools, even if they didn't necessarily have 18 or 22 students in. It was a great fetus. Uh, I think Jumani Williams, who's to the far, far left, went to Brooklyn Tech. Did he? But I want to say, what, here's a mistake that I think progressives make, and I, I've always said I count myself as a progressive person, that integration of the schools is a great ideal. The problem is that overwhelmingly the population of the public school system is African-American, is communities of color. Integration should also be viewed on, on, uh, on diversity of ability also. You want there to be smart kids in every school, so how do you attract them? 
You've got to come up with magnet programs. You've got to come up with SP programs, the things that have always been used to attract kids. But the idea of doing what you describe, which is we're just going to throw out grades and not even consider it, doesn't understand how parents think oh, when they're man. trying to decide where their kids go. off a lot of parents. Yeah, it seems that a way. A lot of parents. Anyway, when we come back on Monday night, the first GOP debate for the governorship here in New York State, four candidates, it's neck and neck in the polls, you have Andrew Giuliani, Congressman Lee Zeldin, Bob Astorino, and uh, Harry Wilson. We'll give you a preview of that, predictions, uh, and there's very, something very special happening in that debate that we're going to talk about right here with Anthony Weiner on the left, yours truly, Curtis Lee here on the right. Appointment Radio, if you missed any of it, just go to wabcradio.com, get the podcast and all the great podcasts that we have here of all the hosts and hostesses and the specialty podcasts also. Left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Oh yes, oh yes. Although I really hate him now because he was singing at the Queen's. What was that? Platinum Jubilee. I hate, I hate the royal family. Did you see, did you see that Alicia Keys performed yeah. and sung about New York? What the hell was that? I don't know. I used to be a, a, a royalist. Now I'm, I'm losing my taste for it. Thank God. I hear it. Oh, it's Harry and Meghan Markle. Boo. And where was Randy Andy? Oh, God, get him out of here. Anyway. And, and the princes were never in the same room together. No. Like, they never... No, but royalty. That's why we had a revolution. Anyway, <laughs> there is a lot happening politically in the state of New York. Uh, you had a Democratic uh, gubernatorial debate a few nights back uh, with Swazi, the congressman who's moved to the right, Jumani Williams, who is as far to the left as you can be, and Governor Hochul. Trying to keep it right in the middle, trying to just avoid discussing certain issues because she's already the governor. The Republican GOP debate, first one, will take place CBS Studios, Channel 2, on Monday. Uh, you have four candidates. They're all very close in the uh, in the polls. I'd say the top two in the polls have been uh, Congressman Zeldin and Andrew Giuliani. But the second tier is Astorino, Harry Wilson, and they're not far behind. Well, it turns out that the last-second rules that were dropped uh, on all the candidates is you must be vaccinated or you cannot be in the studio. Uh, If you fail a test, you cannot be in the studio. So they set you up in like a Hollywood Squares location, you know, like uh, when they do Zoom uh, interviews. And so you cannot participate in the CBS studios. So you're out in some uh, location where you're going to be seen. But as you know, you've been through enough debates, Anthony. Uh, I obviously went through two debates with uh, Eric Adams. If you're not in that studio, it makes it really difficult because you've got to read body language. You have the moderators. You have other distractions going on. And if you're in that little Hollywood Square box, wow, it's almost like you're disconnected. Yeah, that's a big – that's news, by the way. I hadn't heard this that – and they're not letting Andrew Giuliani in because which he tested positive or he's not no, or he's not vaccinated. No, he's never been vaccinated. He's talked about that nonstop. Uh, and as you know, he was there with the workers uh, whenever they would demonstrate because they were losing their jobs because they too refused to be vaccinated. So I think, as I put my instant analysis hat on, 
that if he, Andrew, plays this right, this could turn out to be quite – they could turn out well for him. Yes, you do want to be there to mix it up. It just helps you. It helps you get into the vibe. It helps you throw the other guys off. It helps you just everything. Like it seems like you're more connected. But if he adopts the posture that says, look, this is a matter of principle for me. I don't begrudge my opponents for doing what they did or channel whatever, channel two for doing what they're doing. This is a matter of principle, and I'm going to be a governor that sits on principle. You might not always agree with me, but I respect the views of these these other people. Um, and if he handles it like a, a leader might, you know, like don't don't throw a hissy fit, don't complain, whatever it is. Yeah, I understand. These are the rules. I got to live by the rules. But you do want to be in the room. I wonder if what it does is it lets him be the good guy while they all fight it out. The, the problem is with this race is I don't have any of the internal polling. Everyone claims to know what's going on in, in these races. A lot of undecided people. When you have one person whose name is obviously better known than the others, meaning Giuliani, I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they want if they they want to hit him. Maybe Zeldin wants to hit him, or someone else wants to. You know, I don't think there's any chance that he's going to get marginalized for the debate because I think it's perceived that he is one of the top one or two people in that in that. Well, uh, so that far, race. so far, if you look at the TV advertising, and Andrew uh, hasn't been able to get on TV. Uh, but Ashnerino is now on TV. Harry Wilson spending millions. Seems like he's spending, yeah. And Zeldin has been running ads for months. But the attack ads are on Zeldin. So Ashnerino and yes. Harry Wilson are going at Zeldin fast and furiously. Zeldin just put out an attack ad. Doesn't even mention Andrew Giuliani. He goes at Ashnerino and Wilson. So you're right. If the three of them are like three scorpions in a brandy glass, then all of a sudden you look at Andrew, who some people say too young. You know, not experienced enough, not mature enough. They have the image of him with his daddy. Remember when he was being sworn in the Saturday Night Live uh, portrayals of him. And they say, wow, he's above the fray. He looks like a governor. And you know who pulled this off? And it's not because he chose to do it. There was the uh, Democratic uh, primary debate you may have remembered for U.S. Senate seat. There was Bobby Abrams, the attorney general of the state of New York. There was Geraldine Farmer, a former vice president candidate, former congresswoman, and Elizabeth Holzman, who had run for Senate before, and Al Sharpton. So nobody paid attention to Al Sharpton. This is 92, right? Right. They're all attacking one another. Al just stayed on the side. He would occasionally jump, please, let's get back to the issues. At the end of it, all the commentators said, oh, how mature of Al. We never thought of Al in this capacity, although he didn't obviously win the primary. Uh, he won points for maturity and a different understanding of who Al Sharpton could be with these political heavyweights, because all three of them were heavyweights, Bobby Abrams, Geraldine Ferrara, Liz Holtzman. I think Andrew has the, the capacity to come out in the same manner. Yeah, I think so. The, the the thing is, and this is something that perhaps our listeners don't understand about polling, is that there's polling that you read in the newspaper, who's up and who's down. And then there's the polling that is done by campaigns, and they know if someone is causing them a problem. And they, they're attacking Zeldin because they know stuff. They know if Harry Wilson's on every two minutes on the Mets games, I am sure he's got polling that shows that Zeldin is doing well. Now, the what, so what, why, but one thing that I bet they're all learning is that no one is really engaged yet and there's a lot of undecided voters. And I bet you the name, the highest name idea is, is Giuliani. So you're right. I'm sure that Giuliani would rather be in the room having this debate. But there is a way that they might be able to use this. If the knock on him is he's too young and immature, and he got off to that rocky start where he you know, didn't sound like he was ready for prime time. If he pulls this off, that he seems like just the very, re- the very fact that he's over there 
kind of embodies the way Republicans see themselves in New York. You know, New, New, New York Republicans know what it means to be put aside when we have to do important sure, things. Sure. That's not going to happen in a Giuliani administration. I'm going to be front and center. And it seems that I stand on my values and all these different kinds of things. Question I have for you, what does Trump do? Well, you see, this is the benefit that Andrew Giuliani has. He's the only one who's talked about his relationship with Donald Trump. Uh, clearly, his father is the attorney for Donald Trump, has stood with him through thick and thin. The other three candidates are walking on thin ice. No doubt their consultants have said, hey, if you marry yourself to Donald Trump, you can't win in a general election right. against Kathy Hochul. But you've got to get through the primary. And let's face it, Andrew legitimately uh, has worked with Donald Trump in the White House, likes Donald Trump, talks about Donald Trump often on the stump. The other three avoided. Uh, he'll ride the Trump train to victory here because there are four candidates, three of whom are distancing, distancing themselves from Donald Trump. So that's an advantage. And then, naturally, there's one issue for Republicans. It's law and order. You got the gold bar name, Giuliani. They, Zeldin, they don't associate with law and order. They don't associate Astorino with law and order, Harry Wilson with law and order, even if they know them. Boy, Giuliani, it's sort of like, okay, that's that's a name I know has to do with law and order. Well, listen, I can see it being being the golden ticket in the Republican primary, but I can tell you Democrats, myself included, are rooting for Giuliani because we think he's the easiest to beat in November. I mean, I, I watched that Democratic debate, and Kathy Hochul acted like, you know, talk about a Rose Garden strategy. She, no one knows her, you know, and yet she's acting like she doesn't have to take strong positions. She doesn't have to say anything. Um, I think th- I think she's a vul- I think she's vulnerable to have someone sneak up on oh, her. Oh, she is. But Giuliani, I think, is the candidate that if you want to generate this 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 blue wave or at least this blue anxiety, I think you can do that against against Giuliani better than you could against well, Zeldin and Wilson. The, I mean, and uh, by the way, that's this is Wilson's whole argument right here, right? Yes. You, you need kind of a more milk toasty, middle of the road, pataki kind of guy to get elected in this state, right? Now he might be right. Um, but Giuliani has to get paid. You know, look, the moment Giuliani wins the Republican the Republican nomination, you know, his money problems will go away. Suddenly, he, you know, that he that's you know, the media is going to love the idea of a Giuliani uh, oh, in, in a general election. So you you, 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 get, you can make the remember, argument for him. You get two for one because like today, Staten Island, they have the food truck festival at Mount Laredo. Uh, Rudy is there with Andrew now out in Staten Island. You know, it's like Rudy walks on water. Right. But the two of them together, that's very potent. Now, look at the state GOP chairman, Langworthy. Uh, came out of the Erie County area, got elected the chairman uh, over uh, Cox, Ed Cox. And so he, the West Western New York was represented. And then, you know, he sold himself to central New York and downstate. He has decided he he wants to run for Congress. Because uh, there was a guy out there, Jacobs, Chris Jacobs, Republican. It's a Republican right. district who decided, no, I'm not taking the Republican position on uh, guns, Second Amendment. I'm a gun control guy. He stated his position and a few hours later said, I'm not running for the seat. Well, let's, he didn't have to go that far. He just said, I'm open to conversations about gun reform. That's all it took right. for his, uh, his support to evaporate. But, yes. So the first one to say, okay. I'll seek the Republican line in that vacant seat to 23rd uh, Congressional District is Carl Palladino. Crazy Carl Palladino, who, remember, ran for governor, beat Rick Lazio. I call him Lazio because he was lazy. That's why he lost. In the uh, Republican primary, he was the conservative Republican candidate, ran against Andrew Cuomo. That's when, remember, you had the madam running. Right. You also had uh, the rent is too high to pay party guy. You had all, all these right. third party candidates. 
He's back. Yeah, one 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 taco short of a combo, that guy, though. Right, but he's got money. Right. And he does he, have that. He's a big Trumper. So here it is. He's out there. He's got all this baggage. He has attacked the Obama's uh, racially charged language. He's into conspiracy theories. He praised Hitler, right. not just out of context, like he's trying to say. He literally praised out of Hitler, and he's so we need a, more like him. He's a lonely Kazuni from parts unknown. I had conversations with him when he was running for governor, and I said, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> cuckoo, but he's got money. Here comes the state GOP chairman. He's got all these races in New York. they got a really good potential winning now that the lines have been rejoined. And he's saying, oh, I'm interested in being congressman. Now, you know what this says to me, Anthony Lena. He has internal polls that say, I'm not so sure about Zeldin. This was the guy I championed. I fought off the other chairman that got them on board. If he thinks he's going to lose to Andrew and Rudy, he knows that his days as chairman are not for long because they're going to come after him. I can tell you that they're going to come after him. Yeah, well, and so he wants to be in Congress. I mean, I, who, what chairman have you ever heard of to to leave their yeah, but, job? Yeah, you guys, the Republicans go through chairman, though. I mean, it's not like that's not such an amazing job. By the way, being the state party chair is not such an amazing job. One interpretation of all this is his home district was going to have Carl Palladino, which would take that to a solidly red district to a toss up because Palladino is, as you say, he is one fry short of a happy meal. It's a nut guy. job. And. You know, and 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 I and I think what I read today, some to, some feud he has with Stefanik might be involved in this as well. I think you might be reading too much into it being a Zeldin vote more than he's just saying. Well, hey, listen, this is a chance for me to go to Congress. I got to tell you, if you're Republicans running in all these new redrawn assembly districts, state senate districts, congressional districts, and the chairman of the party who's supposed to bring everybody together and raise money for you right. is opting out to run for Congress but doesn't want to leave being the uh, state GOP chairman. That doesn't speak well for him. I think that I – yes, you, this is the busiest time to be a candidate for Congress is the next month and a half and the busiest time to be the Republican chair. It's tough to do both jobs. But if you see – first of all, the Republicans are going to take over the House, so he's going to be in the majority the moment he walks in the door. It looks like a pretty nice district. I don't know much about it. It's, it's the, a Republican district. It's a Republican district, and it starts at the outskirts of Buffalo and then heads heads. Yeah, and up he's north. a local boy. He's right. a local boy. So, I mean, I can see him wanting the job more. I think it's a fair beef to say hand the, hand the reins off to someone else then. I well, think that is fair. I can tell you he had a one-on-one conversation with Michael Buttigieg, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Rudy wants to settle all scores. You know how Rudy is. I've been with Rudy since 88. I campaigned with him, with, for him against Dinkins when he lost and then when he won. 96. Uh, you know, I know how Rudy operates. He wants to settle all scores the way they treated Andrew. You know, they give him no respect. Right. And I think Langworthy understands. Oh my God. If somehow Andrew wins this. They're coming after me as the state GOP chairman. Well, it's some combination, but he he obviously has some concerns about his job security. But also, if you're the state chair and you live in the district that Palladino looks like he might win, isn't it your obligation to the party to get in his well, way somehow? The other thing, Anthony, as you know, the mother's milk of all politics is money. Uh, he's leaving the state GOP chairmanship with no money in the coffers. Really? So he's getting out. At the appropriate Is that a paying time. job, by the way, chair of the party? I don't think it is. Um, I'm not quite sure, but the fact is he hasn't been able to raise money for the other yeah. candidates, so you know they're going to show up with the pitchforks. <laughs> show me the money. Where's the money, Nick? I would sleep
It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. What's this, Jim? This is uh, Bare Naked Ladies, I want to say. Did he say Lightning? Is this a pro-Tampa uh, Lightning song? Is he rooting for Tampa Lightning to beat the Rangers in Game 6? What is it? It's going to be tough tonight. going to be tough tonight. Well, I they've mean, done it twice before. They come back from almost certain yeah, defeat. Yeah, let's against against literally third-tier third goalies, literally third-string goalies. I mean... I want to ask you this question again, now that they're in the throes of the Eastern Conference Championship uh, on to the Stanley Cup Championship. If they can get by Tampa, like you said, two two years in a row, Stanley Cup champions. So you got Igor for the Rangers in the net, number eight. And you got uh, number 88 for the Tampa Lightning. Both of them former teammates in Russia on the national team. Andre Vasilevsky. Right. right. Nobody has yet asked them, are you pro-Putin or do you support uh, Zelensky and the Ukrainians? Not one reporter. Why? Why are they giving them absolution? I I told you this. It was a little bit of an issue when it first started. Most of the energy was looking at Panarin, who was a critic of Putin, and on uh, Ovi, on Ovechkin, who was a big supporter of Putin. But it's a team sport. It's not like they're – it's not like an individual representing the country or it's not like, uh, you know, the Russian team came in. Hockey is a very diverse sport, and and I don't think that – I, look, let me ask you this. Does anyone go and go go down to Brighton Beach Avenue and ask, are you on the Ukrainian side or the Russian side? These are people who are here no, no, doing no, no, their no, jobs. No, no, no. If, uh, this would be the better question. If you win in the Nets tonight, either one of them, who are Russian goalies who play for the Rangers and Tampa Lightning, and Vladimir Putin calls you up to give you congratulations, do you take the call? That's a, that's a, that's a good question. I think that most of these athletes <laughs> want to stay away from this conversation altogether. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I don't know is if there are any any hockey players of Ukrainian extraction. I mean, there's not. There never some, been some, and not not many. I don't. I can't think of any. But there's got to be. There's, well, you're Mister NHL. Uh, if you if I you can't, can't think, think of, of a Ukrainian, I can't think of any. But anyway, let's talk about the local guy who became almost a presidential candidate on the independent line, Howard Schultz. Remember, grew up in the Bayview Projects, exit 13 on the Bell Parkway. Uh, he was lower middle class. Howie uh, went to Canarsie High School, local high school. In fact, he used to walk on Flatlands Avenue looking for card games at the Lucchese uh, Social Club because he was good with cards, and they were looking for Howie's money. He was always an entrepreneur, always a mover. And then he took over Starbucks out in Seattle. He didn't create Starbucks, but he took it over, and you know, as CEO, he brought it to New Heights. Global uh, corporation. Then he left, then he came back. Then he left, then he came back, now that they're unionizing many of the Starbucks, and he has dropped a hammer. He's closing the public bathrooms at Starbucks. Now, i got to tell you this as somebody who suffered for many years with colitis, ileitis, and chronic Crohn's disease and prostate cancer, to find a bathroom in New York City. Now, when you were in council, they had an opportunity. They had what they called street furniture. They could have had these actual... Uh, uh, bathroom facilities to clean themselves, like they have in Ankara, like they have in Berlin, like they have in like, other parts of the Madison world. And Madison Square Park, they have right. one. But for some reason, you city council people wanted to shake uh, the vendors down for, quote, community money, you know, for your, your project. And we never ended up with what other countries have. 
you know, which is a common decency. Starbucks was the only place you could go. You go to the Greek diner, you had to get a cheeseburger, right, with fries yes. in order to use the bathroom. Chinese restaurant, give me $2, you can use the bathroom. Starbucks, it was free. Well, Howard Schultz, who hasn't been having a good time busting unions uh, because they were organizing uh, throughout Starbucks, has decided no more bathrooms for you. Well, he hasn't, he hasn't gone that far. He said he, they're, they're going to review it, and they're not sure. They have to harden their infrastructure. He's making like the, the, the bathrooms are going to be invaded. But, yeah, we basically, let's face the facts. We contracted out with Starbucks, without saying anything, basically to be our city's bathrooms. Yeah. They had like the 1,200 of them here oh, in the city. Oh, and they kept them like clean. They kept and- them clean. They never give you a hard time. You go in there, and, I, and, and you know this from being a parade guy. They, the, so the Starbucks along the parade route, long lines. I mean, yeah. basically people, people would line and nobody up. would nudge you and say, hey, you didn't get a cup of coffee. Of that. You that. know, you didn't have to be a right. customer. So, so maybe that wasn't such a great idea by the city to be outsourcing to this business to do it. It is, you know, it's part of the general Starbucks business model. They want you to come there, get a cup of coffee, plug in your laptop, and stay there all day. And yes. if you're going to do that, yes. you have to have bathrooms. So there's a reason. And fully stocked bathrooms. They always yeah. had the and toilet they're, paper and they're clean. In good shape. They're always in good shape. And th- this is true. But we kind of did this weird nodding and winking to Starbucks. Okay, you take this over. Now, when we did that stuff, by the way, in the ni- was, I guess it was the 90s, you know who I was advocating for? Guy named Wiener, the hot dog guys. I yes. wanted the local hot dog guys and the local newspaper guy. Most of them, most of them, South Asian guys. Most yep. of them, Indian guys. Yep. I supported those guys because they were like no one represented them. They were just out there kind of fending for themselves. And and the the big interests were the advertising companies that wanted to come and figure out ways to make these things bigger and bigger and just so they signage. Have, they, which have they have frontage. in other countries. Exactly, more frontage. And um, but we made a decision because we couldn't figure out quite. How to do it? The, I think there's only four in the entire city. Four of these self-cleaning bathrooms. One of them, one of them is at you know the one at, at Port Authority has actually gotten gotten a lot better. I don't know if you, I mean, you probably have not been there, but some of them have gotten better. But if they decide to take this step and say they're not going to be open to the public, and you see those signs everywhere, restrooms only open yes. for customers, yes. it's going to be a real loss to our city. Whatever you think of Starbucks, whatever you think of their union policies, whatever you think of their coffee, and I'm not a big fan. They really were the city's bathrooms for, for years and yeah, years. And the state-of-the-art facilities that I'm describing in Berlin and Ankara and other cities, you put coin in whatever the local currency is, it's self-cleaning. It, it closes thing, on you. Exactly. So you do whatever you have to do, and then it closes, and you vacuum, and yeah. you open it up, and it's pre- pristine and yeah. clean and ready to go now. In some locations, you might have to have a security officer there because some people may decide that that becomes it. That's where they're going to cop a squat and live. Uh, well, no, you, well, well, you know, the, the ones that they have here, the doors open after a certain amount of time. That You can't just stay in there. They're, they thought of that. But, yeah, but they're big pieces of infrastructure. We may have to start thinking about it again if Starbucks is getting out of this game. And this is a quality of life issue. I, we The Europeans... They understand this is a priority. You go to their train stations, their central train stations, fully stocked, staffed. They're constantly mopping, cleaning. They have uh, they have uh, grooming clean. They have combs. They have toothbrushes, toothpaste. When I was in uh, uh, Copenhagen in Denmark, I was amazed. I said, wow, this is like going into a hotel. Yeah, but puzzle me this. What's the status of the subway bathrooms? Oh, God. God, horrible. Most of them are locked up. Those few that are open, 
God, you need a hazmat suit to go in there. They're almost never clean. And it's the only place the homeless can go. But that's go. the obvious solution, right? Try to figure out a way to modernize those, figure out something. That ain't happening. I'm telling you that, uh, Anthony. I would suggest to you, if you go to any of those few uh, subway station bathrooms that are open, you better go for a test, not a COVID-19 test. <laughs> STDs, the City Department of Health, because God only knows what you end up with. Same time, same place next week. Anthony Weiner for an hour, and then yours truly. I join him for the second hour exclusively here at WABC. 23 or 4 to 1 that you can fall in love by the end of this song.